0: Well, Trader's Point, welcome. How you guys doing? Everyone online, so glad that you're watching today. And we even have some team members in the room, and not just in this room, but at every campus right now for the first time in a long time. Want to welcome everyone at our campuses. And if you're wondering why we have people in the room, why we have people at every campus, is because we're gearing up for next Sunday, September 20th. We regather. we're going to invite the city. So if you're in the area, we would love for you to come through, check out a service. If you're not, or you can't, no worries at all. Traders Point Online is here. We've actually even created some stuff to help you get connected. You can find that on our app and website. Be sure you check that out. But also, as we get ready for the 20th, I wanna let you in on something. Uh, Brockett is gonna be back to preach um, a message from his heart. So we're gonna take a break in the Luke series that we've been in, and Aaron is gonna preach a series called Behind the Mask. And here's what that is. We are in some divisive times that are only magnified by distance, right? We, We are six feet apart, we talk through a screen and over a keyboard, behind a mask, And it becomes really easy to forget who's on the other side of the mask, on the other side of the screen. And what we wanna do is do everything we can as a church to bring unity in this season. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is actually study a prayer of Jesus. One of his last prayers before he ascends into heaven is a prayer of unity. And that's the kind of church we want to be. Unity for us and unity for our city in this next season. So I'm telling you, September 20th, behind the mask. You do not want to miss it. Make sure you get back to check it out next Sunday. But as far as today goes, we are continuing in our series, Luke. And kind of the subtitle of it has been Settled in Spirit. And that's a powerful title. Because here's one way to think about that, a uh, Settled in Spirit, to be satisfied in your spirit. To be content in your spirit. All of you, every part of you. And maybe right now if you were putting a, a title for this season, it would not be satisfied or content. Maybe you would say, this is, I have a, a tired spirit. Anyone else here today just a little bit more tired than you have been in the seasons before? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay to admit. Like it reminds me of this uh, Jim Gaffigan quote. Someone asked him, like, hey, what's it like having a fourth kid? And he said, You want to know what it's like having a fourth kid? Imagine you're drowning, then someone hands you a baby. <laughs> like, for a lot of us, I think there's a lot of truth in that for us, because there's truth to both parts. Because before this crazy season happened, before, you know, a global pandemic was dropped on us, it's not like we were at peace, it's not like life was chill, but now when someone asks you, i like, hey, hey, what's life like now? They're like, you want to know what life's like? Well, it's like you're drowning, and then someone hands you a global pandemic, and he's a heavy baby. We'll call him Covey, all right? Um... <laughs> But in this season, we are now more responsible than for things that we weren't responsible for at all in the first place. Like uh, parents of school age kids. You are now a parent. You are now a teacher. You are now a principal. You are now realizing that you don't understand fractions or the basics of the English language. And you're trying to teach what you don't know. For a lot of us, it was really cool when this thing hit because we could work from home. But now that we can work from anywhere it means it's really easy to work any time so now we're just constantly even more tired than we were before and as things get moving faster and faster it feels like we're just tired more tired than we've ever been and we become more responsible in these kind of structures that we had been placed that we had placed in our lives whether that was a school structure work structure home structure, these lines we had built to hold some sanity have now collapsed and we just feel tired, wondering, when is this going to end? And I do want to say that that's a lot, but I want to take a moment and just pause and to say, but look at you. If someone would have told you a year ago that you would be doing all the things that you're doing in this season, one you probably would have punched him in the face. Like, don't speak that kind of evil around me. What's wrong with you? But two, you wouldn't have believed you could do it. You would say, I don't have the time. I couldn't possibly do all of that. But look at you doing it. So can we just, before we get rolling, just celebrate yourself for a second. You probably haven't done that. You haven't felt worthy to celebrate. But celebrate. You're doing so much. But at the same time, I think it's safe to say, like, Life has to be more than that, right? Life has to be more than just making it, just limping to the next checkpoint, bobbing up and down, just trying not to drown. Like it has to be more, more than just waiting for the tide to lower a a little bit so we can get back in the water and continue on with life. And you're right. That's what today is about, that, that God actually has something for that. Take a look at this. God provides a rhythm that restores our souls, relieves the tension of work and bring balance to our lives. Does this sound like something anybody could use right now? Yes. (laughs) To be restored, to be relieved, to have balance. Like that is something that God wants for you. And maybe that's surprising, but God wants you to be settled in spirit. God wants you to be satisfied. God wants you to have peace. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And if you have a Bible, you can flip or scroll there. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. Everything will be on this screen next to me. But by the time we pick up in Luke chapter 6, there's some tension in the air. And we'll pick up on it pretty quickly uh, as we read these first few verses. But take a look at this. It says, One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, His disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husk in their hands, and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Now, let's just stop right there because to understand what's happening and what's going to happen, we have to understand one of those first few words in the scripture we just read. And that word is Sabbath. Sabbath. And maybe when you read across that, you're like, I kind of think maybe I know what that is. Or maybe you're like, I have no idea what that is. And that's not surprising. No big deal. But like I said, to understand where we're going to go next, we have to understand the context of this word. Not only what it means for us, but what it would have meant for an ancient Jewish person. What, What is this thing? And what we'll see is that the Sabbath is something that was actually there from the very beginning. And it's a really big deal and for good reason. It was created by God as a gift for us. And here's what it was. One day every week would be set aside for God. Mankind would work six days, but then on the seventh, it was a day to rest, to delight in God, to worship a day to be restored. And this rhythm of life is actually found in the first pages of the Bible, the creation story as we see it in Genesis 2. God himself models this rhythm. Take a look at this. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. So this is where, this is the idea behind the Sabbath. We see that it picks up in creation that God himself models it. But maybe you're reading that like you're like, and you've always maybe been surprised by this. of What do you mean God rested? Like did he throw his back out filling up the ocean? Like was he tired? Like he's, you know, speaking the cosmos into existence. Did he need to sit down for a second? No. It's not like us, like when we want to rest, like after a long week and we stumble through the door on a Friday night and we just wanna put on our jammy jams and get on the couch and rest. That's not what God was doing here. You see, God was actually completing a work and then making a deliberate choice to rest because to God, this is what it means to rest. To rest is to be satisfied. Not, not to rest because you're tired, but to rest because you're satisfied. And when you think about it, I mean, this is the only time you can really get some good rest is when you are satisfied. Have you ever been brought to this moment where you were working and then you just took a step back and you were like, wow, this is, this is really good? Because that's what God does. If you read it in Genesis, you'll see that God makes things every day and every day he like outdoes himself. He steps back and he's like, wow, that was, that was really good. And then the next day he's like, "No, no, no, that was even better." And then by the third day, fourth day, he's losing his mind up there like, "This is the best thing I've ever seen." And then he steps back and he rested. Maybe you felt a piece of this. Maybe it was like you finished a piece of art or a project, you did some landscaping, you built a tree. Or maybe for you, it was when your kid left home. And they went off to college or they went to live on their own. And as they left, you took a breath. And you were satisfied. You looked out and you saw that it was good. Like that is the the, the kind of relief, the kind of peace, the kind of satisfaction that when it talks about when God rested. So he speaks it into creation. He puts that rhythm into creation. But then God actually takes it a step further with this idea of the Sabbath. And he makes it one of the Ten Commandments. If you remember this, number four, the fourth commandment is to remember the Sabbath. So here's the backstory on this, is that when God rescues his people from Egypt, he he enters into this special covenant relationship with them, and he gives them ten rules to live by. He says, if you'll do these things, this is for your good. This is for human flourishing. And one of the rules was to remember the Sabbath to always remember, to keep it holy because I made it holy on that seventh day when I, rec- when, I, when I rested. So check this out, the rhythm of the Sabbath was spoken into creation and built into community. It's so important that when God was establishing his people, he said, I'm gonna command this because I want it so bad for you. I don't want you to miss out on it because it's such a good gift then I'm gonna make it a rhythm of your life because rest is needed. Like we know this is true when it comes to sleep. Like we do it every single night. Our bodies just naturally start to give away and we get tired and we go to sleep. I mean, think about this. Rest is needed to sustain life. If you lived to be 90 years old, Lord willing, you will spend 30 of those years sleeping. Some more than others. You ever talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, I'm just not good unless I get a solid 12. 12 hours? What are you, a cat? What do you mean you need 12 hours of sleep? But this eight hour, I mean, this, this idea of sleep, this cycle that our body naturally goes into to sustain life, the Sabbath is the same for you spiritually. Not just a physical slumber, but, but a spiritual restoration. And the people of Israel, they would have received this good gift. I mean, they're coming out of slavery. And they would have got this gift that every week you get to take a day off and rest. And all you have to do is delight in God and worship Him. They would have looked forward to this day as they looked forward to eternity with God. To them, it was heaven on earth a day without work, a day of feasting on the best foods, a day of worship, a day of making love. It was the best. It was the closest thing to heaven that they had. And God gave it to them as a gift. It was a glimpse. It was a sneak peek into what life would be like eternally with God as their father. That's what this Sabbath was created to do. To bring a rhythm of heaven to earth. But by the time we pick up with it in Luke chapter 6, it's become something very different. You see, years and years had gone by and... They had built so many rules around it that it had lost its beauty and its freeness. The spirit had been kind of choked out of it. It was replaced with countless laws in an effort to protect the Sabbath that it actually destroyed it. That's why it was such a big deal to them that Jesus was just walking through and and picking a little bit of grain, rubbing it in his hand and eating it. To them, that was work like walking through and just picking an apple and taking a bite. They were saying, hey, why are you doing that? And the Pharisees, they catch a lot of flack for this, of like, why did they mess things up? Why did they, they had this beautiful thing. What happened? But they had good intentions. Like they loved and appreciated and respected the Sabbath and all of God's laws so much that they tried to protect it. So it was called building a fence around the Torah or God's law. So they actually took God's law and they said, we're gonna build around it to protect it, to keep it sacred and holy so no one messes it up. But as they built this fence in an effort to keep everyone close, after they built it, the people were on the other side of the fence. And it made it really hard for them to come in and to appreciate the goodness and the spirit of what God was trying to create with these commandments. But why did they feel like they have to? Well, it's because things like rest and work are so big and so vague that they're, they're hard to describe. in our nature is immediately to push the lines of, well, what is work? And what is rest? I mean, we see this show up all the time. If you, if you have kids, sorry, most of my examples have kids. I have a lot of them. So that's what I go off of, all right? But if, you, if you're outside with your kids and they're like, hey, can we play with, with them sticks? And you're like, yeah, you can play with them sticks. I promise you. Two minutes later, crack. You come running over. What happened? And then they're looking at you like it's your fault. You said we could play with the sticks. I didn't say you could hit him in the face with a stick. But you didn't say we couldn't. So then what do you do? Okay, all right, you want to do this? You can't be close to anyone with a stick. You can't swing a stick. You can't hold a stick in your dominant hand, all right? Look at me. You, you, you can't carve the stick into a knife, all right? You can't run with a stick. Eventually no one wants to play with the stick. That's kind of what's going on here. They had built so many rules and laws around it that actually the Jewish people didn't even want it anymore. They would rather work than enjoy this Sabbath day. It's almost like being grounded. Anyone ever get put on punishment as a kid? There's a big difference between being at home alone and doing whatever you want, enjoying all of the goodness of your house, than to have to sit in your room and do nothing. I don't want to hear you speak. I don't want to hear you talk. I don't want to hear you breathe. Eventually, you're like, can I go to school? I'm looking forward to Monday where I can just be with someone and do something. That is a lot of what the Jewish people were experiencing. They'd lost the freeness. They'd lost the beauty of this Sabbath. They would rather work than enjoy this good gift that God had given them. And that's what you're picking up on it. This tension of, they come to Jesus, they try to check him. Like, what what, what are you doing? Why are you breaking the law of the Sabbath? But look at Jesus's response. Jesus replied, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priest can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So what's Jesus talking about here? Well, he references this story about this guy named David, who was an ancient king. And what he's talking about here is during this time in David's life, he's on the run for his life. And him and his buddies are are hiding out and they're starving. So they break into God's house and they take this bread, this sacred bread that was only used for a certain ceremony And they take it and they eat it. And Jesus is saying, do you remember that? Do you remember that God didn't say anything? That even though he took this sacred bread, that God didn't condemn him? Because there's something different about these ceremonial laws. There's something different about the Sabbath. Because God would never do the same thing with a moral law. Like just because you're on the run or just because you're in a hurry, he wouldn't be like, oh, it's okay. You killed a guy? Stop. You were running. It was a busy day. Hey, you stole a car. How else were you going to get there, man? You were running behind. No. Jesus is saying God would never do that. So, what is it? There must be something else. Jesus is saying that the ceremonial laws, even the Sabbath, they were all put there as placeholders, they were signs to point to something else, something bigger, something greater. And then he doesn't leave him hanging for long cuz then he says I the son of God I am the Lord over the Sabbath What he's saying is the sign that you've been waiting for, this placeholder, you can now take it up because the Lord of rest is here. And if you want true and unending rest from here on out, you're going to have to go through me to get it. Like there's this huge moment where Jesus says, I am God and I came to bring rest. I'm the Lord of it over and over again. Can we celebrate that Jesus is God and Jesus provides rest on a level that we cannot comprehend unless we go through him. That Jesus makes this unbelievable claim that he is God, that he's the Lord of the rest. And it's one thing to say it, but in the very next line, what Luke gives us, Jesus proves it. Take a look at this. It says, on another Sabbath day, this is not by coincidence. If you read the story uh, through the gospels of Jesus's life, My man mostly does things on the Sabbath. He's being intentional here, showing us something. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. And the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely because they were ready to celebrate who Jesus is, that he is the son of God. Nope. Because, they watched him closely, because if he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. And you just get a a fraction of what they're going through, how hard their hearts have become, because they're all in the synagogue together. They're hearing these incredible teachings about Jesus. They even believe he's able to heal because they're waiting on him to do it. But for all the wrong reasons, they're thinking if he heals on the Sabbath, we can really get him now. Everyone's on the edge of their seat waiting to see what is Jesus going to do? You won't do it. I bet you won't do it. Not with all of us here. Look at what Jesus does. But Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics... I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? He puts this question out there, hoping someone will answer, but they can't because they know if they say that it's a day for doing good, then they can't be upset if he heals this man. He's got him stuck. So then he moves on to the next question. He says, is this a day to save life? or to destroy it, because he could save this man's life. I mean, you don't, you don't think about it too much, but he has a deformed right hand. Maybe he can't work. Maybe it's really hard for him to work. Maybe at the, I mean, at the most, healing this man's hand could place his faith in Jesus and save him eternally. There's so much life-giving that could uh, happen here. But he says, is this a day to save life or to destroy it? Silence. And he looked around at them one by one. This is a move. Imagine standing in front of the whole, the whole room and just looking at them one by one. Are you going to say it? Are you? Who's going to speak up? And then on the other side, someone speak up. Someone see how crazy you, you're being. Someone just have the veil removed so you can see that I'm here to do a really good thing. But it's Silence. So he says to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. But maybe you're thinking, wow, I know they missed it before, but maybe now they get it. I mean, come on. He just healed a man on the Sabbath in the synagogue. Obviously, he is who he said he is. Now they're going to throw a party because a man just got healed in church. No. Look at the last line. At this, at this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. And this is not the cute, what am I gonna do with you? Like when your puppy chews up your shoe, like what am I gonna do with you? This is the what are we gonna do? How are we gonna kill this man? Just just think about where they are, how much they've missed it. That in their effort, and God Jesus talks about this all the time, that in your effort, searching the scriptures, studying it, building these fences thinking that that is what will save you, you're missing the very thing that will. And they lost it. And it was all happening right in front of them. And you know, they miss out on what the Sabbath is and how good it is and how, what the gift it is that God has because of their legalism. And for us, I, I don't think we're missing out on the Sabbath. I don't think we're, we're missing out on this, this, uh, this rhythm Because of too many rules. Now the fences that the Pharisees have put up, they have long fallen. Greenery has grown over them. But at the same time, without a little bit of structure, without a little bit of that placeholder, we fall into the same place where we are unable to find that rest that God offers us as well. So what we're gonna focus on now, just in the remaining minutes we have, is how do we get back to that? If this is a really good gift, if it's something that God spoke into creation, that he gave it to his community as a gift, then how can we get it back? How can we enter into the rest of God? How can we truly be satisfied? How can we get past this feeling of just drowning while we're just bobbing up and down, waiting for the weekend so we can get a few quick breaths before we're thrown back into the water? Because the Sabbath is more than a day. It's a life of rest. It's a life of being content, a life of being satisfied. And some of you might be thinking, but do we have to? Because didn't you just say that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and that there was a placeholder and now he is our rest. So do we really need a day? Do we have to? And this is actually a big question that came up a lot when the church was beginning to form. If you look back to Paul, his letters, people would often ask him, hey, do we have to keep all of the old Jewish traditions and ceremonies? Do we have to keep the Sabbath? And Paul responded, no, you don't. Because yeah, Jesus did fulfill all of that. So you don't have to keep a Sabbath to be in right standing with God. That's what that means is Jesus as Lord over the Sabbath. But I will say this, Do I have to is a horrible question to apply to following Jesus. There are very few things that Jesus commands of you have to do this. I mean, he gives us some big ones like, hey, love God with everything you got and love people as yourself. That's a big one. That's something that God says we have to do. Everything else we do should be to help that, to help us love God more, to help us love people more. So what I would say is, do you have to? No, but would it help? Would taking one day every week dedicated to God and worshiping Him, would it help me love God and people more or less? Would it strengthen my faith or or weaken my faith? I say, if it helps, let's do it. I'm not above it. Let's put something in that, that can actually help us get through this of not being tired, but actually being settled in spirit. This is something that God wants for us. We don't have to, but, you know, sleep is still a good thing. Rest is still a good thing. Sabbath can still bring healing. You know, this is actually with the first Christians. that As this began to come up and they began to talk about it, they actually did a little bit of a shift. Whereas the Sabbath used to be from Friday night to Saturday, they said, you know what, how about we move it to Sunday? And let's move it to Sunday because then we can remember, because that's the day Jesus rose from the grave, proving that he is Lord of Sabbath, Lord over everything. And here's an idea. Let's gather around on Sunday and let's invite everyone. Let's invite our best friends. Let's invite our family. And let's bring together some good food. Let's worship God for who he is and celebrate him all day long. You know what they called that? Church. 2,000 years later, we're still throwing the same party in the name of Jesus because he is that good. So do we have to? No, we don't have to, but we get to. And there's no rules to it necessarily. There's just some best practices, some things to consider, big components. And I just want to put a few out there as you maybe think about implementing a Sabbath into your week. And I'm no expert on this. It's actually this past year I've been taking it more seriously, trying to carve out some time. Me and my wife have been having some intentional conversations of how can we have a Sabbath. And the first thing that I just want to point out is it is meant, designed to be 24 hours. One 24 hours all together. Maybe you're thinking, I don't have 24 hours right now. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you don't. Maybe you're a student, you have a crazy schedule, maybe you're just starting out in your career, you have a young family, you're starting a business. I don't, I don't know. But I would say don't let that stop you from starting. I mean, it is designated to be 24 hours, and if you break it up, you won't get the same uh, effects. I mean, it's like sleeping at night for eight hours is different than taking eight one-hour naps, right? You will not feel the same in the same way this is what it's, what it's built to do. But also at the same time, you wouldn't not go to sleep tonight because you can't get a full eight hours. You're like, nope, I missed my window. I'm going to wait until I can really get some sleep. So maybe for you, as you begin to create this, it's like, I I have six hours that I can give. Or I have 12 hours. I have a half a day that, that I can start with. I'm just saying, don't let that stop you from starting. That if you want this, this is something that you can kind of ease your way into with the goal of getting to 24 hours. But here's a, here's a big one. So it's designed to be a full day and the Sabbath is a day of worship, not a day off. And I think there's an important distinction here because maybe if you do use the word Sabbath, it's kind of, it's interchangeable with a day off. You're like, I'm going to Sabbath, I'm going to get up, I'll go to church, I'll run some errands, uh, I'll finish some emails, I'll catch up, I'll get ready for Monday. And then on your day off, you actually do more work than you do on your day on. That is not a Sabbath. Uh, A Sabbath is a day to worship. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you just have to go around singing all day long in dedication to the Lord. Chanting and holding candles and doing all that stuff. What it is, is a day of worship. And when we worship something, all it means is that we ascribe worth to it. And by blocking off a whole day and saying this day is just about you and me growing closer to you and me falling more in love with you, that's how we worship God, when we stop everything else. That's actually literally what the word means to Sabbath is to stop, to cease from working and to stop from work both paid and unpaid. But it's also a day to stop thinking about work to stop worrying about work, what will happen or what won't happen. It's a hard stop from the ordinary so that you can enter into this specific time with God. It's a call to stop striving because Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? A Sabbath is an intentional decision to say, I could get more work done on this day, but... I'm going to stop striving because you are ultimate. I'm going to take a back seat and I'm going to say a day worshiping you is better than anything I could do on my own. I'm going to rest with you and I'm going to rest on you. It's a day to stop wanting, which is so deeply embedded into our hearts, into our culture, to want the next thing, to want the next house, the next job, the next car, the next pair of shoes, the next toy. It's a day to stop and to rest And to realize that everything keeps spinning, even when we stop moving, that God is in control and that even though I don't have everything that I want, I can make a choice to be satisfied with what I have. It's a time to get our desires back in order. It's great to have desires. It's great to want things and to strive for things. But if those desires become ultimate, they will bring you to anything but rest. Setting aside a full day allows us to almost do a trust fall with God. I could could get more work done. I could do more, but I'm gonna make a choice to stop and I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna take you at your word. This rhythm that you've placed into community, that you've placed into mankind, I'm I'm gonna lean on it. And we can see this is where God begins to do his best work. This is what Jesus came to do it's a restorative work, not just for deformed hands. But for healing in all of its type, to refill you with creativity, to refill you with wisdom and clarity, it's a blessing. Meaning it's, it's life-giving in prayer, in touch, in kindness, and love. The best things the world has to, that we can experience here, those are all found in rest, not in speed. This is a day to say, I'm going to stop and I'm going to enjoy. So it's not a day off, it's a, it's a day to worship And here's the last one. Sabbath does not mean I'm ready to stop. It means I'm ready to surrender. What this means is that we can't just wait until the work ends. You're not going to luck up on that, all right? It's not this idea that we can finish our work and then stop. If you're waiting for that, you will be waiting for forever. There will always be another phone call, another meeting, another project, another spreadsheet another thing will be waiting. This is a, a moment in time to surrender and to say, God, I'm going to give you the next 24, even though I know I got a lot of things waiting for me. It's not taking a Sabbath is not trying to cram everything into six, into a one less day. But what it does is it makes you really intentional. And when you get your yes right, when you, when you say that this is what I'm committed to, then it, and it allows you to have a really strong no with those other things. Because if I start with the most important thing, then it becomes easy to push those other things out of the way. It's a day of surrender. So what I want to ask you is just what could that look like for you? Once again, no rules. But what would the best 24 hours look like? Where you could honor God and bring yourself joy. So I just want to give you a few ideas of what this day could look like for you. Shut it down. What if you entered into a time where maybe for the first time in a long time you shut it down. Email, work, everything. I heard an idea of a Sabbath box. It means with everyone in your house as you move into this time of Sabbath, this day of worship, that you just put everything physically into a box. Whether that's a phone, computer, iPad, you lock it all away. Shut it down. What would it look like for you to wake up without an alarm clock? Some of you just shook a little bit. Like I can't even imagine that. What would that be like to not have an "ah," eh, eh, but to wake up naturally and to move slowly. What would it look like for you to just wake up and just move into a time in the presence of God, to pray, to make a nice drink in the morning, a nice hot drink, a cup of coffee, a glass of tea? Some of you are like, "Well, I really don't need caffeine to start my day." <laughs> Then heat up some water. (laughs) Sip on some hot water. But open God's word. Psalms are great for this. All all they are really is just remember. Remember who God is. Remember where he's brought us. Remember what he says. Remember that he's the Lord of rest. Remember he's working even when you're not. And I can sit in that and I can worship. And I can put my, my worship music on. just in the background. I can hear it. My worship music, the kind that fills me, the songs that they're speaking to me in this moment, and I can worship. And I go go back into it, into a time of prayer that I've worshiped so much and so hard that I get tired. And then I take a nap. God's okay with naps. And then to rest. And then to wake up and extroverts relax. This is not just a day of being alone. The Sabbath was communal. It was a day of being together, a day of feasting. The day of the best meals. So what would it look like for you to move your favorite meals, your best meal, the meal you're going to look forward to all week to the Sabbath? And not the microwave. This is the slow cook. This is the chopping the onions and the peppers, putting it in the crock pot, letting it stew and marinate and waiting, inviting over your best friends and your family, having rich conversations. What would that look like? To be completely filled up to honor God by loving people. What would it look like to have a little bit of space for spontaneity? To not structure it to the point that you can't do anything, but but half of this is that you get, if you slow down that much and you spend that much time with God, you will begin to see things differently. You will see your family differently. So what does it look like to have space that when God places that on your heart, you say, I need to spend some extra time with my spouse. I got some words that are just, uh, that I need to pour out on them. I need to know, let them know how loved they are. Or maybe it's one of my kids or one of my best friends, they need some of my time. Or what would it look like for for you just to come to this spot and it's like, I need a walk. I need to be outside. I need to see the leaves fall. I need to feel the wind against my face. To have the space to be able to do that, to move into this time where you can be completely filled, that you can honor God with all of it. But here's the truth. It's a lot of work to rest, to bring things to a halt, But we can either choose to Sabbath or we can be forced to. Because you are not a machine, I am not a machine. Rest will come either through intentional Sabbath or it will come through burnout or sickness. But you're going to have to sit down. You're going to have to rest one way or another. But with this, we get to appreciate this good gift that God has given us. And maybe you're feeling it right now because you've never known rest but as I'm talking about rest and as I'm saying take a day off, you're immediately thinking there's no way that I could do that. If I took a day off, my peers would go flying by me. If I took a day off, my work would not see me the same way. I wouldn't get that promotion. I cannot afford to do what you're saying. And I would say I, I, I get it. And I don't know if taking a day off and dedicating it to the Lord will, will move you in the direction that maybe you think it will. But I would say this, maybe it doesn't keep you from something. Maybe it saves you from something. Maybe with this intentional rhythm that you place into your life, it allows God to do a restorative work and you have more years and better years and more fruitful years. And you get to appreciate life in the rhythm that he had created. I don't know. And anyone can do this. You can carve out a day to stop. Even if you're watching today and you would say, I don't believe in God, you can do a Sabbath day. It's actually becoming a thing. It's called a secular Sabbath. There's people in the marketplace, people that are working and looking around and realizing something is wrong. People are burning out. Depression is high. Suicide is high. People are just falling apart. So they start looking back to these ancient practices of like the Jewish people. And they're saying, what about this? What about carving out a full day to rest, and to have peace, that sounds pretty good. And they're applying it, and guess what, it's working. But at the same time, you can take a day and fully rest and and do all that, and it will help. But there's one thing that you can only get through Jesus. That with Jesus coming to him as the Lord of the Sabbath, there's only one thing that he provides that nothing else can provide. And that's rest from the most debilitating work that there is. It's rest from trying to earn your worth through your effort. You know, people talk about, I have a a money problem. I, I have a greed problem. I'm just trying to get to the thing. That's not what it is. Money might help you scratch it a little bit, but it's deep down in there within our broken souls. This idea that if we would just work a little bit harder, if we were a little bit better, things would be better. I know that I carry this weight. This idea that if I, if I just cared more, if I loved more, if I showed up more, if I spoke more, if I was better, then things would be better. And it's the most debilitating thing that you will ever experience. And it's this voice that never goes away, that you are never enough you can't shut it off. But what Jesus provides is soul rest. That inner murmur that's inside of us saying, keep going, strive more, you haven't got it yet, keep going. You will never earn it unless you wake up early and stay late. And that line just moves and moves and moves. And Jesus says, no, enter this rest that I have provided. He's the only one that can answer that deep soul, just crying out because the only one that we ever had to prove ourselves to was God himself. And now, because of Jesus, when God looks at you, hear this, if you place your faith in Jesus now, when God sees you, he sees you just like on that day of creation, when he created everything and it was perfect and he said it was good and he was satisfied, now, if we place our faith in Jesus when he looks at you, no matter how bad or how, how much you've went through or what you're going through, what you're feeling, what you believe about yourself, if you place your faith in Jesus, he looks at you and he says, wow, that is good. And he is satisfied. That we don't have to, to want for another thing, but God looks at you and he says that, it, that it's good. And look at what Jesus offers. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and and, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. That Jesus lived this perfect life, the life we couldn't live, the life if we never took a Sabbath and lived a million lifetimes, we couldn't do it. And Jesus came in all of his grace and all of his mercy. And he said, rest, come to me, and I will provide a rest that you can't comprehend that I'm here to remove the placeholders, that you can enter into a rest that will start today and go for all of eternity, that you can appreciate and and fall into this rhythm right now because I'm not only gonna speak it into creation, I'm not gonna add it to your community, I'm gonna give you a spirit of rest. I'm gonna give you my very spirit so that you can rest on my finished work. That is what it means to work. That's what it means to be settled in spirit. Stop striving. And if you're here today and you're heavy and you wanna place your faith in Jesus, you wanna enter into this rest, we wanna be here for you. And if that's you, you can text the word Jesus to 8722. 87, sorry, 87221. Someone from our team will follow up with you this week. But what I wanna do right now is just enter into a time of prayer to pray that, that God would urge us back into this rhythm that he's created. And then we could lean on him, find rest in him, stop striving. And then we could begin to implement this rhythm into our lives and we could find the rest that he has offered us freely as a gift. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for a chance to worship you a chance to find rest, a chance to be fulfilled and satisfied without striving, to be still and to be satisfied, to rest and to be satisfied, to not have to do another thing and to be satisfied in your finished work on the cross. God, take away our, our, our want to prove ourselves, to think that if we just worked a little bit harder or did a little bit more, then this voice would go away, but it only goes away through you Only you provide rest. Only you, Jesus, Lord of the Sabbath, Lord of lords, King of kings, we come to you and ask for your rest, for your rhythm, for the life that you want for us. God, give it to us. Jesus, we love you so much, and it is in your perfect name that we pray. Amen.